0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hey, doll, Mary doll, ring a dong a dillo ring a dong, hop along. Fowl out the willow, Tom Bomb Jolly Tom, Tom Bombadillo. Hey, come, merry doll, derry doll, my darling. Light goes the weather, wind and the feathered starling. Down along under hill, shining in the sunlight, waiting on the doorstep for the gold starlight. There my pretty lady is, river woman's daughter, slender as the willow wand, clearer than the water. All Tom Bombadil, water lilies bringing, comes hopping home again, can you hear him singing? Hey, come, merry doll, derry doll and merry-o, goldberry, berry, merry gold yellow berry-o. Poor old willow man, tuck your roots away. Tom's in a hurry now, evening will follow day.
2: Tom's going
1: home again, water lilies bringing. Hey, come, dairy Doll, can you hear me singing?
3: Hi, I'm Jesse.
2: I'm Seth. I am Mr. Jim Moon. And
4: this is Corey Olson, host of the Tolkien Professor podcast.
3: And we're going to talk about J.R.R. R. Tolkien's Tom Bombadil character and where he appears in The Lord of the Rings and uh, also in The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. Uh, and I think that's the entirety of him, right? Am I right?
4: Yeah, he had a kind of an early and a late uh, um, life through the adventures of Tom Bombadil. You know, it was uh, initially that was the that was a poem that Tolkien published back in the 30s in the Oxford magazine. And then he incorporates the character into the Lord of the Rings in the 50s. And then in the 60s, he's going back and he put together that collection of poetry called The Adventures of Tom Bombadil, um, which was published in the mid 60s. and uh, uh, and he so he sort of revised the original Tom Bombadil poem for that collection. So, so
3: the Adventures of Tom Bombadil, the the first poem in the collection of the same title, is is that the exact same poem that came out in the 30s? Do you know?
4: It's slightly revised, but it's 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 mostly the it's mostly the same. I mean, it's the, it's not fundamentally changed. I would say from the
3: 1930s edition. I I I I, I think it's. Um... It's a powerful poem, but I actually like uh, Bomb- Bombadil Goes Boating more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now that's a late
4: poem. He wrote that one in the 60s. So uh, the first, uh, The first, *The Adventures of Tom Bombadil um, is, again, a slightly revised one from, from, from much earlier on. Uh, and then Tom- Bombadil Goes a Boating is one of the poems that he wrote for the 1960s collection. So it post-dates lord of the rings and this is important because when you read those two poems you can tell you know there are characters you know like farmer maggot is in bombadil goes boating
1: mm-hmm. right.
4: um and uh, yeah. and that's because you you know the lord of the rings was already written when he wrote that so it's it's really the comparing and contrasting the two um are a really interesting way to see how uh in fact, I, I think it's a really cool way to get into understanding mm-hmm. Tom Bombadil in the Lord of the Rings. You know, if you sort of compare the Lord of the Rings Tom Bombadil with the pre Lord of the Rings Tom Bombadil and the <laughs> post Lord of the Rings Tom Bombadil, you can sort of see the sort of the, the direction that Tom Bombadil was kind of going and kind of where he came from and where he ended up. And and so yeah, seeing those two back to back in uh, in the Adventures of Tom Bombadil is uh, uh, that is in the in the poem collection of the 60s uh, now, is a really neat way to look
3: at it i assume that he is also the tom mentioned in the poem called the stone troll is, is that i mean it, the drawings make it look like it's the same guy but he's got an uncle if that's like an uncle <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. With, with, the, with the story I, does I, it He's probably
4: not the same. Um, you're right that the pictures make it look the same, though the pictures, uh, the pictures were drawn by uh, by Pauline Baines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's the yeah, she's the same woman who uh, illustrated Farmer Giles of Ham, and she illustrated the Chronicles of Narnia, um, mm-hmm. and in general, Tolkien liked her stuff. Um, but uh, but basically, this collection of poems was just kind of given to her, and she came up with these things. I'm assuming that the similarity of the name Tom is also what led her to give... Uh, the dude holding his foot in the picture, you know, after having kicked the troll, <laughs> um, you know, a, a sort of Tom Bombadilian hat, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, but I don't think so, at least certainly based on the, um, based on the history of, of the poems, there's no reason at all to think so. Mm-hmm. Um, The Stone Troll ha- is a, is an old poem. Gosh, Tolkien first wrote that sucker back in like the 20s. Mm. Um, uh, late, like early 20s. It was, uh, mm. that's, a, that's a very old poem. Um, and uh, he revised it and revised it throughout, um, throughout his, uh, um, his life. He obviously loved that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's really poem. appropriate
0: that he, he gave it to Sam in the, in the fellowship, which I think is really appropriate. Mm.
4: It is, it is. You know, it's funny though. Um, that's not where he first put it. In the early drafts of the Fellowship of the Ring, that was going to be the song that Frodo was going to sing in the Prancing Pony. Hmm. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> and uh and and so in the first draft he uh, uh, Frodo sings the old troll song and it's when he in the second time through when he imitates the kicking of the troll in the seat of the pants is when he slips and falls off the table uh and the ring falls on his what? finger wow <laughs> so then you know he revised it and decided the cat and the fiddle was 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 a better tavern song uh and uh and then you know after that is when he should but of course the old troll song had to go in i mean there's no question about that so he put <laughs> so he gave it to sam and i agree it does work much better the the language is better suited the, you know the language had always um uh this sort of the dialect of the old troll song had always been in the kind yep. of rustic dialect that it's in so that obviously fits sam a lot better um so now i i mean it was certainly a brilliant revision choice on his part uh to go that direction but um but yeah it's 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 kind of funny to think about frodo singing that song of the prancing pony um but like i said he kept revising that thing you know um if you uh i i I would encourage um i would encourage your your listeners to go to youtube and um do a do a youtube search for uh tolkien and the old troll song um because there is on youtube an audio recording of tolkien singing it Hmm. Ooh. Like he doesn't just recite it; oh, wow. he sings it to the to the tune because it's it's a traditional folk tune that it's supposed to go to. Um, and I, I, if you're anything like me, hearing Tolkien actually sing it to the tune because I had no idea what the tune was that he was supposed to be singing it to, um, and so it never made any sense to me. You know, like especially the. Um, Especially the parts, uh, you know, the like donor boner. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I had always I had always been really puzzled about the meter of that, you know, and 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 I had realized as I was kind of reading it to myself, and I read the Lord of the Rings, I'd always been reciting it in this kind of like, you know, grandiose meter, you know, with like contemplative pauses on the rhyming lines, you know, donor boner you know and, and i was like it just it didn't work I, I was trying to make it work but it didn't work um but uh once i heard him singing it and i heard the tune i'm like that really fits very well it's like a, it's a very
3: They're very tom Bombadilian um sort of sort of rhymes though they don't yes <laughs> it's like tin bone thin bone shin bone
2: okay. <laughs> right, <laughs> right
3: right
4: yeah it's just it really is just play with the sound of words mm-hmm. you know and uh uh and and that's um you can see again the the whole the whole kind of spirit of the thing when sung is that those lines would be like Nonsense rhyming words that probably drunken people would be shouting along in the pub, you know, when people were singing it, Um, you know, uh, but anyway, it's 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 really cool. But but one of the really cool things that I like most about that YouTube recording Mm -hmm. is that. The, the words that Tolkien sings in that version are unlike any of the printed versions oh, of it' That's oh, like wow. even when he was just reciting it later he still revised it again you know oh. he was con- <laughs> he was continuing to like tweak that song I mean again it's not just a question oh, of man. like he had that thing to pull out of his bag at any point um uh, you know and that he kept kind of coming back to the same thing like it was it was it was clearly you know not only something that he loved but so- and something he kept coming back to but like I, you know it was a it was still a living poem for him that he just kept revising and revising.
3: Now, there's one other uh, before we, uh, like, I think we're tacking this from the outside in, and that's probably a good thing. There's one other Princess She. I really like this poem. Or Princess Me, I should say. Um, I really like this poem, and it doesn't seem to be connected at all to the regular Tom Bombadil mythos. However, um, there's a couple of minor things that I wanted to point to. One of them is that... She wears fish's male slippers in the same yeah. way that Goldberry does mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings. Yep. Um, and then uh, the whole poem is is uh, her reflecting herself in, in I guess, while she's walking on the water. And she seems to be like an elfin princess. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly clear that she is an elf, but it's pretty close that she's she's elfish, if not right. an mm-hmm. elf. Right. Um, and in her walking on the water, this is also reflected... Um, Kind of interestingly, I think, in Tom Bombadil Goes a Boating. So we are attacking this completely in reverse order here. <laughs> but yeah. in Tom Bombadil Goes a Boating, there's a really cool line. I, I was going through this with my students, and I, I, I was like, this is, this is interesting. And basically, let's see if I can find it. It was um, when he's escaped from the, before the Badgers, mm-hmm. after Old Man Willow, it starts to rain. Then Tom hurried on. Rain began to shiver. Round rings spattered in the running river. A wind blew. Shaken leaves, chilly drops were dripping into a sheltering hole. Old Tom went skipping. Now, it says running river, but if the river's running, um, you really wouldn't be able to see the round rings, would you? (laughs) Um, From raindrops? It's almost like the skipping of old Tom... Is him skipping across the water. Yeah, that's interesting, and yeah, it echoes the. I mean, the the scene in Princess Me, which right. is not obviously he's not the princess, but um, there's something weird going on there, and I think there's he's he's obviously tied to the river in in Tom Gomp, Tom Bombadil goes a boating. There's another sort of m- mystical thing going on there, but. I just thought it, it, you know, you can't, it, it's, you can't see raindrops on a running river if it's not smooth.
4: Right. Well, it would depend. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is interesting. And I don't know. I mean, we we never see. I mean, you think about what we see from Tom, uh, in in the in the in the order of the rings version of him there's the one moment when he sort of is waving off the raindrops right and the raindrops aren't hitting him mhm um, other than that there's very little that we see Tom do that is sort of magical that suggests a kind of a different relationship with the world around him, apart from the fact that he appears to have authority over the
3: things around him, command anyone to go to sleep, or right? To do exactly, up.
4: putting people to sleep in the poem is certainly one of his specialties. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, so that is that is interesting. I mean, I, of course, it's possible to imagine the, the 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 rings on the on the river simply being raindrops in a sort of a you know a more still part of the river i mean obviously you're right it certainly wouldn't show in like rapids you know but oh no, but um, uh, when
3: you're like when i'm physically drawing this out what's happening uh-huh. i'm yeah. seeing these raindrops spattering on the river well if they're spattering on the river it's like a path and the path it looks like footsteps almost yeah with the skipping it's it's i mean the more I look at these poems, the more I think how, you know, this is really obvious, but Tolkien was a real genius. And mm-hmm. it's really in there. I, I, When I was a kid and I was reading Lord of the Rings or having it read to me, I was bored by yeah, poems. I was like, get on with the story. I want more adventure. <laughs> <laughs> but looking at it now, um, I'm thinking, you know, I, I guess it takes time for people to appreciate poems.
0: Um, yeah i mean michael um cory Olsen and and michael drought um i think both you guys um say that you know tolkien is probably the best-selling poet of our century just uh, because yeah. so many copies of lord <laughs> of the rings are sold and yet the poems are really underread and underappreciated oh yeah no it's always sad when people skip the poems
4: i mean i do understand um you know certainly people who are reading the story um you know, as you said, just like sort of for the adventure. You know, I mean if you're if you're reading the story with this kind of appetite for um, you know, to 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 get to the you know, next part of the adventure and everything, the poems are interruptions. I mean, they're almost all of them interruptions. Mm-hmm. Very rarely is a poem essential to the plot, you know, in the sense of really moving forward what's actually occurring yeah. in the story. What
3: did they do with it in the movie? Did they cut cut out almost all of the poems? I I think that's... Most of them, yeah. Most of them,
4: yeah. I mean, they they do put in songs. And that's
3: the same reason they cut out uh, Tom Bombadil. He just doesn't fit in our model. No. Tom Bombadil doesn't fit.
4: I have to say, I think... I mean, I love Tom Bombadil. I think cutting him out of the films was really smart. Yes. Um, Because Tom Bombadil... I mean, he's like my Exhibit A um, when (laughs) I want to... Give an illustration of something that works really well in a book, but does not would not translate to a visual medium. Tom Bombadil <laughs> is like my classic example of that. If you if you did a faithful rendition of Tom Bombadil, giving gave, gave him the exact lines, you know, at just like basically give an actor, you know, give a really good actor the you know the these three chapters of the Lord of the Rings, and say. Do exactly what it says. You know, make this come alive in exactly the way that it just. You know, don't, don't, don't change it. Don't do your own spin on it. Just, just do exactly what it says. He would look like a, a complete idiot. I mean, it would. He would look like an absolute madman. People would be hiding their children from this person. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it doesn't work. I, I, to actually see it, I mean, just look pay attention to the number of times it says that he just randomly jumps up in the air for no reason yeah. like <laughs> he would look like a fool on on screen you know if uh, you know if 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 every time people turn to him and start talking he leaps up into the air and 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 and, and jumps across
3: just, the room like on the uh, you know people would start like thinking it's not the right movie that something got spliced in (laughs) right yeah right
4: exactly exactly so i mean like i said i love tom Bombadil, and i think it were you know to imagine it works really well mostly because in some ways i i find myself that that you know when i did that exercise myself once for instance go through and pay attention to the number of time he's like jumping up or dancing around or something not even to mention like the lines and actually trying to to give someone all those lines and have them, have them chant in the way that he chants, (laughs) because you'll notice even Tom Bombadil's prose is in this same meter. You know, you were just reading some from the adventures of Tom Bombadil Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that is most persistent from the adventure, from the original poem that Tolkien wrote uh, and and worked on back in the twenties and thirties. You know one of the things that's most stable is the meter, you know, the, that, that that classic Tom Bombadil, uh, you know, prosody. Um, you know you let me out again old man willow that sounds familiar <laughs> i am stiff lying here they're no sort of pillow your hard crooked roots drink your river water go back to sleep again like the river daughter um he talks that way even when it is rendered in prose in the fellowship of the ring <laughs> um he almost always talks that same way um mm-hmm. let me uh let me uh get a little example of this here um let's see um uh, yeah, here's um, so I'm in I'm in just opened a random page uh, in the house of Tom Bombadil, um, and it's interesting because he's just been reciting. So having just had what is put as verse in the text, I had an errand there gathering water lilies, green leaves and lilies white to please my pretty lady, right? But then he starts talking in prose afterwards. Frodo asks, "Tell us, Master, about the Willow Man. What is he?" And Merry and Pippin don't want to hear about it. And Tom Bombadil responds, saying. That is right. Now is the time for resting. Some things are <laughs> ill to hear when the world's in shadow. Sleep till the morning light. Rest on the pillow. Heed no nightly noise. Fear no gray willow. It's exactly the same meter. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's in prose. But that's just how Tom Bombadil talks. He almost <laughs> always uses, like sometimes more tightly, sometimes more loosely. He always uses that same meter. Mm-hmm. And again, just like hearing an actor doing that, it would be hard, man. It would be, I think it'd be impossible to pull off. Yeah. and frankly, I think he's better left on the page. I really do. I think it would have it would, either they would have changed him into something that people who love Tom Bombadil would have hated or they would have made yeah. everybody else hate him by <laughs> <laughs> you doing know, so so I, I have no complaints at all. I think they absolutely did the right thing but <laughs> um but it's hard you know i do i do uh uh you know i I do love Tom bombadil, so that was kind of a it was kind of a wrench
3: so uh I told when i I wanted to do this show. I told Mr. Jim Moon that I, I wanted to do Tom Bombadil because he's not in the movie and because he sort of nobody knows what to make of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the characters don't know what to make of him and all that. And one of the things that I, I remembered, I i don't go back and reread The Lord of the Rings all the time, even though I love the book. I just don't reread very often books. And, and yet I remembered one of the things that I remembered from, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, whenever it was. Um, was that I had this impression that goldberry was mm-hmm. dying <laughs> and um i 'm not hundred percent sure that 's right, but uh Jim Moon, did you sense that at all, or is that just my hallucination
2: well no there is, there 's something to it because tom 's bringing her lilies that after mm. we 'll see her through the winter um yeah and it 's kind a- of she 's a nature spirit, and you you get the impression that she 's you know going to be at a low ebb through the winter. Um, right. She's always going I, into some kind of
4: dormancy, you know. Yeah. Oh, and it's kind of, you know, there's,
2: there's a price for her to to pay to be with him in his <laughs> house, not not being in the water all the time. Um, it's kind of it's just almost subliminally there, but it's going to be like the little mermaid sort of di- the mermaid deal that, you know, they can they, they can walk on land and be out of their natural um, element. But there is a cost and a price to that. Um, she's like a
3: spring spirit or something like when when it talks about her it sort of talks about her being silver green right mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Sort of the spring spring colors is what i'm thinking of obviously the river is her mother which is kind of funny but also um tom bombadil is red right he i, I sort of think of him as a fall spirit um because he's got a red face like a an apple and he's got all these, you know, every part of his clothing is a different color. Like yes. he's in a, mm. in a forest, you know, in, in, in autumn. It's, it almost reminds me of the, the old Greek legend of, uh, was it, it's not Pluto. It's the other guy, Hades and Demeter. Per, uh,
2: and yeah. Persephone. Persephone,
3: yeah. Persephone, Um, where Perfone, she, yeah. she's got a, yeah. she only comes out half the year and that's why we have the seasons. But, uh, that doesn't totally fit either. And there's something very special about where Tom is. Um, I don't think Tom can leave within a day's distance of his realm. I, I know it's not his kingdom, but his realm. I don't think he is able to leave more than 24 hours distance based on a little bit of what's going on in Tom Bombadil goes a boating. Um Yeah, we so we hear that he never does do so anyway. Right. Um, And in Tom Bombadil Goes a Boating, um, I made note um, after reading it the second time that at the beginning, he's shaving his oars, um, That is, he's making new oars. Um, Well, what happened to the old oars? Mm -hmm. Well, we find out later that uh, he goes to Farmer Maggot's farm and there he he uh, leaves his boat in the middle of the night. Leaves the farm in the middle of the night, and just disappears. Um, and then three days later, down the river come uh, two otters and a and and the old swan, the grumpy old swan, <laughs> who right. stole a feather right. from, um, who are commanded, it seems, to bring the boat back up the river. Right. This bringing it back up the river. At the end, they get there and they say, "Oh my God, we've forgotten." the oars and it's almost like this is he's sort of caught in a time loop where he he has these same problems over and over again (laughs) right and if you read the first you know the adventures of tom bombadil his it's a two-day long poem you know it starts you know tom bombadil uh his boots were yellow and he's you know old tom bombadil was a merry fellow bright blue his jacket was and old and his boots were yellow in the second day uh, which starts again after he has his snoring like a uh, bellows. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, right. <laughs> he, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. He he does the exact same thing, except now he's wise Tom Bombadil.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Right? It's like he can go any amount of distance to the east or the west or to the north or the south. He can go visit Farmer Maggot, but because it's just so far away, it's like he pops back into his ho- homes. How did he get home? walk right. back up the river?
4: None ever caught old Tom in Upland or in Dingle, walking <laughs> in the forest paths or by the withy window. Um, yeah, there's that. <laughs> and and uh, um, I remember when I first read that as a kid, I took that, you know, because uh, that line is from the poem, but he says something very similar um, in The Lord of the Rings um, about no one ever catching old Tom. Mm-hmm. And I always assumed that meant he was really fast, you know, that nobody could catch up with him, you know, but I, but as I grew older, I came to think that's not actually what it means, but rather that no one, that about how elusive he is, that that no one has ever seen him, um, which sort of shows, as he said, uh, uh, you know, that that it was only Chance that brought him down, just them, that he didn't hear them calling. But at the same time, it's clear that people don't just stumble upon Tom Bombadil without his permission. Mm-hmm. You know, that no one, uh, mm-hmm. none has ever caught him yet because, Tom, he is the master. Um, you know, so there's there's. Uh, it, it, I, I'm not even I'm not even a hundred percent sure of Tom's sincerity on that point. He clearly knows what is going on in his woods and did not appear there totally by accident. Yeah, he says um, even that yeah.
3: he was expecting them.
4: Yes, exactly, exactly. Though he seemed to have yeah. denied that just a moment before. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but um, but yeah, yeah. So so. Uh, I mean, think about what you're saying there. There is that sense of elusiveness, you know, that um, that it's certainly not just a question. Whenever we read Tom Bombadil, we are, in, in all of his manifestations, the early, the Lord of the Rings, and the late, um, there's no question that we're, you know, he's, and this might seem like a, 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 a sort of a, a shatteringly obvious observation, but he's not a normal guy. You know, this is not just the story of some eclectic guy. <laughs> Goldberry is clearly elfin right i mean she is you know that that the the experience that frodo has when goldberry opens the door you know and he sees her um the way that he compares seeing her to stumbling upon an elf queen Mm -hmm. you know in a Mm -hmm. rustic cottage Mm -hmm. um shows you know he he's very conscious of having this kind of uh, it's very difficult to define supernatural experience when he encounters Goldberry. But Tom doesn't strike him that way. No. Right? You know, to, so Tom is sure. almost like a guy. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, he's, um, you know, he's, Frodo has a hard time c- categorizing him, right? He's bigger than a hobbit, but he's not quite mm-hmm. big enough for the big people, right? So he's, he's, he's indeterminate but again meeting him seeing him come down the path is not the same kind of sublime experience that meeting goldberry on her threshold is um but but it's clear that we're talking right. about somebody who is not just a normal person you know that he is clearly so much more than that um uh, even though he seems in most ways you know like I was saying before, we see him brush off the 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 rain at one point, but it 's not like he is obviously magical in other ways, even you know the rain yeah. is goldberry 's washing day he doesn 't claim mm. to be in you know in charge of the rain he 's no weather master right, and he yeah. um it 's almost like he 's just he's he 's just observing right she 's the one who 's tied to the land she 's the daughter of the river um you know he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't have any obvious origin himself. As Tom Bombadil is such a mysterious figure in this way, in all ways, you know. In they're some childless.
3: ways, he acts like a guy. It's almost like they're not. You know, they're, they're childless. There's no expectation of children there, right? Yes. yes. Obviously mm-hmm. married. Uh, you know, we we see their wedding in one of the poems, but they're, yes. they've obviously been married many seasons, at least, um, at least two seasons, because mm-hmm. they talk about. You know, this is her. Time of year for right. this and right and yeah so it's it's not like um they're a regular couple <laughs> right right um, I, I mean in one way I was thinking you know it's Tolkien himself but I just don't see Tolkien uh, you know hopping over hills the way that <laughs> Tom <Pumper laughs> no, does. no 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 Tolkien way, was... he is older than than the Lord of the Rings you know the book that yes he's in. um the, the characters older now apparently as well right <laughs> but also. Tolkien is older than the Lord of the Rings and and uh, I don't know if you guys have all I, I asked Seth but I don't know if he's, you other guys have seen Babylon 5 uh, I haven't okay well you definitely should because mm. the guy who wrote that J Michael Straczynski, obviously a huge Tolkien fan. Um, cool. what the characters in in there is very very much uh, at least age like Tommy's older than the universe his mm-hmm. named Lorien. Uh, as well, which is <laughs> interesting <laughs> if he hadn't read Lord of the Rings. But um, he he has the ability to um, be protecting. It, I mean, that show you have to see that show because it's full of it, – it's got the, the bad guys are called the Shadows. Mm-hmm. And the good guys are essentially elves, or there's a couple of groups that could have been elves. It's very much sort of a space-born retelling of the Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Jim Moon, you know what I'm talking
2: about, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it is. Uh, I mean, I know it's nominally sci fi, but it is an epic fantasy in Space Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. Um, and path. it does have these characters who are kind of elemental. I mean, obviously, hmm. it's sort of more cosmic in the sci fi setting. But yes, when, when you sent me the link to Lorien, I thought, yes, of course, yes, actually, yes, he is, <laughs> he is Babylon Five's Tom Bombadil, although without the singing yeah without the singing um, he's a little more dour mm. uh, and he doesn't have a goldberry but
3: uh i mean one one scene that happens in Babylon five uh is is the main character sheridan falls uh like Gandalf falls um and he's reborn and is reborn not as you know uh, uh tolkien the white wow or yeah. not tolkien the white the uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting all, all my words confused here. <laughs> he's not reborn as uh, Gandalf the White, but he's reborn in, uh, perhaps he's in a, a semi-immortal form, which is pretty interesting. It, it, I mean, it's it's really grandly epic. The problem is is the first season's really rough. So if mm-hmm. you get past the first mm-hmm. season, you can get to the high heights. And I think seasons two to four are uh, maybe the best television ever done. That's Since interesting. In five's pretty weak. Season one's pretty weak, but the, the middle ones are pretty amazing. And, and and it seems very inspired by Lord of the Rings. Um, but so it's not exactly on target. Sorry. Cool.
0: Cool. But, so in Tolkien's cosmology, um, what what is Tom Bombadil? I mean, I I think he said in one of his letters that he, and he's not quite sure. Um, but, I mean, you have the Ainur, who are the, the gods, the Valar, who are the greater gods, and then the Maiar, who are kind of the lesser gods, of which... Um,
3: Gandalf and Saruman are part of the order, and then you seems just have all these other Gandalf, right? But he's seems yeah. powerful in the same way as Gandalf,
4: right? Right. I mean, even the way, you know, even thinking of the, you know, the comment that Gandalf makes when he goes off to talk to him at the end, right on the way home in *The Return of the King*, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, the way that he speaks, you know, uh, he's been a moss gatherer and I've been a stone doomed to rolling, um, sort of the, the there's an implied, you know, kind of um, uh, similarity between the two you know there's, there's like a he, mm-hmm. he he sort of speaks of him as if he were a peer you know uh who had a you know a different path and a different you know sort of calling um yeah. but um uh but but yeah I, I mean this is this is a tough question to answer in some ways because tolkien understandably, you know, very rightly, is credited with being extremely systematic and, uh, you know, thinking things through carefully, weaving together his secondary world, um, you know, in this very intricate and satisfying way. But there are a few things which creep in there um, which are not really part of the system, but which have been sort of brought in and are never really fully naturalized within the world of Middle-earth. Tom Bombadil is, like, at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Tom Bombadil and Goldberry, this is Tom Bombadil and Goldberry from the poem, and they're never really naturalized. Uh, you know, Tolkien persistently Along resist. with the castle
0: Queen baruthio.
4: Exactly, the castle Queen baruthio. Um, But even, you know... <laughs> Tolkien, even in his letters, refused to talk about this. He points to Tom Bombadil as an example of, like, they're needing, you know, it's a story being better if there are some mysteries. You know, if there are just some mysterious things that aren't really worked out. He never really did work it out. So, I mean, basically, whenever we're talking about, you know, who or what Tom Bombadil is, um, there are, I mean, I think there, there are sort of, there are two ways to approach it. One is. sort of take what's there in the story that is to me the 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 sort of the clearest example of who is tom bombadil and what is he connected to and you know sort of what's he up to is just to look at the history of tom bombadil and you know sort of see the way in which tom bombadil you know in, in the the original tom bombadil in the poem you know has its roots you know has his roots in english folklore and um you know and kind of the the playfulness of that verse form that he was that you know because the verse yeah. form is such an essential part of his character you know um and tolkien was so if you read his 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 poems not just the poems um in the forms in which they make it into the lord of the rings um but a bunch of his earlier poems um there's you know several several examples of Tolkien's poems from the 20s and 30s he did it eventually include. He included, um, uh, you know, stuff from Tom Bombadil. He included the old troll song. He included the Cat and the Fiddle song. That's that's from the same period, from the late twenties. Um, he included the Oliphant poem, uh, Sam's Oliphant mm-hmm. poem. That was also uh, one of a set of yeah. four. Um, he, uh, you know, so there there are a bunch. Of, oh, and of course, Arantree, the the what, what gets heavily revised as Arondel was a mariner. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Bilbo's poem in Rivendell. Um, but, but if, you know, if you sort of go outside of that, you know, looking at the adventures of Tom Bombadil, going back and, 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 and and just going back and looking at, at a bunch of his earlier poems, um, you know, what, one of the things that's really striking, uh, Tolkien was extremely adventurous, extremely experimental in his use of meter and of rhyme. Um, he uses wildly, Mm -hmm. um, differing, um, meters and you know lengths of line and uh and whole sort of approaches to the sound of the words you know sometimes very silly uh and uh, you know with like nonsense words and stuff sometimes um you know very solemn and serious and uh and the the the, the you know that he had just an incredible range um and so so yes yeah, so i actually think the 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 meter of you know the Tom bombadil meter is really an essential part of his character um it's even some of his nature seems to be even sort of reflecting it um you know it's in uh, his meter is in this is in this really irregular. Oh but basically trochaic meter where the stress comes at the front part of the, of the foot instead of the back part, like in, 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 iams, mm-hmm. Um, and that gives it this, this sort of like choppy, jumpy,
3: uh, <laughs> you know, skipping along sense. His literal you, power comes <laughs> from his, 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 oh yeah. You know, singing, right? From his singing. Absolutely. He commands by singing. He, I think yeah. there's one that makes by singing, Right. Yeah, and that yeah. almost is what makes you think of him as being God. But the way he interacts with the animals and and Goldberry and, and in the poems, it's almost like he's bumbling into these adventures. Yeah, right? but he has the power to do you know to stop them. Just all you have to do is cover up his mouth with a piece of tape. And you're <laughs> 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 the
0: the singing stuff makes me think of. Um, I happened to randomly get into Finnish mythology um, and read the Kalevala, which yes. um Tolkien has cited Finnish as inspiration for, I think it's Quenya. Is that for right? Quenya,
4: yes, that's right.
0: Um, and there's a character, it's, I mean, it's, it's Finland's kind of epic. Um, there was a, a guy in, in 19th century Finland, which 19th century is kind of the age of nationalism. And so this guy sees what the Brothers Grimm are doing. And so he runs around the Finnish countryside. He's a doctor and collects poems and collects it into this huge cycle and there are several characters, but one of them is a guy named an old sage named Vainamoinen, and he's yes. um, he's a singer. And one of the cantos, he gets into a singing match, and um and they're doing all this very like he ends up seeing this guy into the ground literally. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But he uses the verbs to, uh, to sing in a really tra- in, the, in the same transitive way that. Um, Bombadil says, "You know, I'll sing, I'll sing up a wind and and, and blow, blow your leaves away. away." Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, so yep. that's the connection I I always make with Tom Bombadil.
4: I agree. Yeah, there's a lot of Vinumoin in I, 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 Tolkien loved the Kalevala. Um, you know, that was um, that was a that was a, a huge inspiration for him, especially in his early years back in the teens, uh, and twenties. Um, that's ultimately where the and Turin Bar story. Came from Coolervo, um, yeah. Coolervo, yeah. But um, uh, but anyway, um, uh, he. So so yeah, you're right. That 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 whole sort of spirit of his singing is a huge part of him. I mean, the reason why I'd, I I go back to these things is that to me, you can't just approach Tom Bombadil in the Lord of the Rings as if he simply grew out of, you know that mythology you know the mytho as if he as if he's a natural outgrowth of the lord of the rings world because he's not Mm -hmm. he's emphatically not and you know there are other characters which get folded in to the lord of the rings world which you know were originally part of other stories um but tom bombadil's alienness i think is 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 important to him you know i mean if you just read um it's one of the effects that that those chapters in the lord of the rings almost always have on people i mean almost nobody reads that without the sense of like this is a little strange like they've entered this kind of different world and then they go out of it again you know when they arrive and breathe they're in the same kind of world that they were when they Mm. left you know buckland but in the middle yeah Yeah, they're in this other kind of place, you know, and it feels really strange. So if you approach it, if you approach Tom Bombadil as, you know, with simply the insistence like, well, obviously, you know, he is an organic part of this world because everything is an organic part of this world, um, Then I don't think you're really going to be able to understand it. You need to kind of take him on his own, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and and look at him in connection, in conjunction with the early poem, um, you know, to sort of see the ground that he grew out of. Um, And it helps to understand it better because Tolkien never did really fully naturalism. It's possible to do it. You know, you can go through and say, okay... Accepting the fact that Tom Bombadil has been placed within this world, given the rules that we see in this world, you know, given you know how how would we understand him? We see a little bit of that happen in Tom's own words, right? When he gives his history, and and we can hear the way in which his own career has connected with the history of. I of, love that you say
3: career. His career is essentially, <laughs> basically, he just goes around gathering flowers all. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Going, yes. Tom Bobadil's um, career
4: arc has been really exhilarating, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh,
3: there there are some continuities, I think, between other character s- scenes placed in Lord of the Rings and in The Hobbit uh, that I want to touch on. Um, so, for example, I just watched the second Hobbit movie. And the Bjorn, I, I had forgotten about Bjorn pretty mm-hmm. much. But he sort of serves the same function, you know. In between um, dangers, there's, uh, you know, there's a rest, rest home, (laughs) right? (laughs) uh, (laughs) Roadside, yeah, Yeah. rest stop. Roadside, (laughs) a homely house, right? Uh, Right. A nice place to to hang out, regroup, and you know, get your courage back, and then go back out into the wilderness. And of course, we have that in Rivendell as well. But I'm wondering if there's there's more of them. There seems to be quite a few in the, in the first halves of these stories, um, and a lot fewer homely homes. I guess there's uh, uh, the Forest of Lorien later on, um, but that doesn't start off all that friendly either. Right, right. Um, well, I mean, it's quite par- like uh, just looking at the Lord of the Rings um, and compa- comparing it to the Hobbit. I'm thinking like, okay, in Merkwood, that's kind of like Lorien. They starts off sort of unfriendly. I mean, it, it, there's these episodic parallels that I see in other fantasy yes. derivative of Tolkien, but they always leave out these these friendly. Um, you know, woodland people <laughs> just yeah right. welcome you into my home and have have a, have a cup of mead, Get some yellow cream and, yeah. and honeycomb and, and honeycomb. You know, yeah, it's a vegetarian, by the way. It seems.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That line, of course, um, uh, you know, when when he's reviewing what they're feeding them, mm-hmm. yellow cream and honeycomb, white bread and butter. Um, that that line is taken word for word. And, of course, it's in prose in The Lord of the Rings, but that line is taken word for word from the poem, The Adventures Mm -hmm. of Tom Bombadil, where it is the description of Tom and Goldberry's wedding feast. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which I always think is kind of cute. You know, it's like they're still eating the same thing that they had at their wedding feast. You know, who I, I guess that's sort of the indication that like the honeymoon is still not over for Tom and for Tom and Goldberry. I guess take some of the um, wedding cake out of the freezer and <laughs> exactly right. That's that's just the thing. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, it's it's. <laughs> I think one of the things that is kind of underappreciated um, about that kind of, the kind of pattern that you were describing, this sort of the the homely house phenomenon mm-hmm. um, or in Bjorn's case, queer lodging. Right. I mean, it's uh, um, is but that he was, they,
3: a, he was a veggie as well, I think. Right. He was. He was. Yes. I mean, that's he's right. got no Goldberry, but he he's got he's he, he's he got that sort of this is my domain. Right. Yep. I can't go yep. farther than this. I, I think he does later on, doesn't he? He does,
4: yeah, yeah. He he's, he doesn't restrict himself geographically in the same way that Tom Bombadil does. But again, he's a totally different kind of you know creature, and his hmm. his sort of his power is very different. But I think one of the things that we we get through that, I and mean, we're sort of thinking about this pattern, um, Tolkien loves to bring us into you know to sort of encounter different worlds you think of the way that he talked about and wrote about fairy stories and how fairy stories are not about are not stories about fairies but rather they're stories about mortals who blunder into fairyland and have encounters and really even you know all of his stories are like that um and it's not just you know it's one of the interesting it's it's one of the things that's so fascinating about the lord of the rings is that It's relative. I mean, there's some good action sequences in The Lord of the Rings, but Mm. it's not really a book you would read for, you know, the action. You know, it's not something you read because it's a page turner. An enormous percentage of The Lord of the Rings is dedicated to landscape description because Tolkien is much more about bringing you into this world, you know, coming to encounter. You know, new people and new things and new places that you've never seen before. And, um, you know, so you encounter Elrond and the world of the High Elves there in Rivendell in The Hobbit. You encounter, you know, they encounter the eagles. The beginning of their relationship with the with eagles is pretty exciting, as is the end of it. But, uh, <laughs> But still, there's even, you know, the majority of the time is just... Spending the night in an eagle's eyrie, right, and sort of seeing how the giant, you know, encountering the giant eagles and seeing how the giant eagles live, and um, through the uh, through Bilbo's dream and his thoughts, you know, we have, you know, Tolkien kind of juxtaposes the, the 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 life of the eagles up there in their eyries with the life of the hobbit back in his hole in Bag End, um, and through this, you know, what Tolkien mm. does is bring us as readers into contact with these, you know, with these fantastical. Uh, places with these uh, interesting new worlds, with these interesting new peoples, he really you know invites us to enter into these places, and it's not all through action. You know, it's sometimes it is restful. Some of them are dangerous, and some of them are good, and some of them are both, as you were pointing out. Um, <laughs> but uh, but through these things, we we kind of get our eyes opened to a, a whole bunch of new things. And Tom Bombadil is one of the most unusual because it's one of the least contiguous you know (laughs) with with the world around it
3: it's interesting Um, you pointed out that they have dreams when they're with the eagles they all frodo also has two dreams in the yes he stays Uh, is this every every time he stops at a you know a rest stop he has dreams i I don't remember that but i do remember him having dreams is it is it that that obvious a pattern
4: Uh, It's not quite that obvious, though. And uh, though I think, I mean, in book one, Frodo has quite a few dreams. Um, And it's... uh, Sam
3: slept like a log.
4: (laughs) Sam slept like a log. Right, exactly. Um, uh, It's... uh, um, It's I I like I like Sam's comment later on when he says uh, in Lorien when he says that uh, uh, once he does get to sleep he's going to go on sleeping whether he rolls
0: off or no. Um, (laughs) But uh, um, and the sooner I get to sleep, the sooner I'll drop off. If you take my (laughs) meaning, something like that. So shut up, (laughs) Pippin.
4: Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, I, I, I. Frodo's dreams don't persist all the way through. it's not quite you know, we don't see him dreaming dreaming in Rivendell, for instance. Um, he does dream and uh uh with uh with Tom Bombadil. Um those are the those He's are sort of prophetic
3: too, or at least yes. one of them's clairvoyant or something, right? Is he sees yes. he sees Gandalf basically? Yeah. yeah. Gandalf in the first I'm one wrong. and then the second one is prophetic, I think. For mm-hmm something that happens before he goes up to uh, Westeros, or... No, no, Westeros. what's it called? <laughs> no, not, not Westeros. What's it called? Frodo is going to a good western place, lands? not to Westeros. Definitely. <laughs> so what's the western land called? To Valinor. Valinor. Um,
4: yes, yes. Well, Tolerasea. It's long to island. the west. <laughs> it is to the west. It is to the west. Yes, yes. Alright. Um, But, but yeah, yeah, no, that's right. That's right. the You know, the um, the line which is... Quoted in a totally different place and in, in a very different context in the film, you know, the uh, far green country under a swift sunrise, um, is uh, you know that, that 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 image is from is from Frodo's dream.
3: How did they? Uh, I, it's been a while since I've seen the movies, as well. I, I, I mean, Tom Bombadil says, "Don't go near those barrels." Right? Then what happens? They go near the barrows, <laughs> um, They get fall into the exact same trap. I, I like how the the Barrow White. Also shows up in the poem, and he's got the same yep. sort of—he's got the same sort <laughs> yeah. of problem. Um, but how do they solve it in the movies? How do they? No get, barrows. They go no the barrows. from yeah. the box. There's, There's no
0: barrows.
4: No barrows, no barrows nope. at all. Nope. Mm. Terrible. No, nope. we just we just skip straight from <clears throat> from Buckleberry Ferry to Bree.
0: Yeah.
3: They get their their nope. old Western,
0: not West Westeros, but their old uh, their blades, uh, <laughs> their swords, uh, Aragorn. Oh yeah, he just them randomly somewhere. hands. Them. Oh, that's yeah, terrible! Like, really, like Yeah, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's it's
4: it's it's kind of funny, you know, because uh, right. I mean, I, like in in the film, I don't really understand what their rationale. I mean, so it's it's one of those things that I just kind of accept watching the films because I'm, you know knowing the books like i knew they were supposed to get their swords and i was like oh okay so aragorn gave them to him that's fine but i sort of wonder like within the within the the sort of logic of uh of the film you know the film's internal logic What is Aragorn meant to have done? Like, did he go off and rob a grave or something and come back? Like, he just goes off and then he comes back with these four swords and he's like, Here, I found these swords. Don't ask any questions about where I got them from.
3: (laughs) You know, they'll give them to me, but you're not going to meet him.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's this is a little weird. Uh, um, but yeah, he just kind of passes them out.
3: I like what Mm -hmm. I like what happens. They in 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 Lord of the Rings, the book, Tom Bombadil. Gets them out of the cave, right? Yeah. Um, or barrow, and then they take the treasure, and he puts it on the top of the hill, and he says, uh, "Oh, here's some nice swords." And then he takes a brooch for Goldberry, and then yeah. he says, "Let the rest be taken by birds or animals or men," and then the the spirit or, or the curse that's upon these goods will be dispelled, and mm-hmm. the barrow white will never come back. Um, uh, Mr. Jim Moon, you did a show on on what white means.
2: Man,
3: yeah, personal
4: thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's a very generic word, mm. um, but
2: we uh,
3: see it if, only as like I, I see it as like litter. Well,
2: right, exactly.
3: Other...
4: That's that's oh, that's yeah, like it's... I think explicit. That's all Gary objects, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty that's
3: much. Just... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you yeah. Can see where he got it from. I mean, it's mm. not no, absolutely. Like, everybody's walking around saying white before this, right?
4: <laughs> Absolutely. But I know, yeah, no, oh yeah,
3: a white is just a, per, I, I, my,
4: my, I, when, I, when I was talking about this one day, after, after I was talking about this one day, my uh, my Mythgard students um, started paraphrasing Barrow White as basically Grave Dude. Yeah, It's <laughs> <laughs> like, just
3: visiting the Grave Dudes. Well, that's um, right, because uh, it, yeah, that's literally an, what it means, right? Um, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, that's it. Man in the hill, or man mm-hmm. in the barrel, People Barrow folk. Even, Barrow, barrow folk, yeah. yeah exactly. badger folk and the barrow whites. Right? Yep, yep, yeah.
0: Old, old and Middle English have so many words for man. I think um, yeah. if you read uh, Gawain in the Green Knight, which is all, oh, yeah. it's a Middle English poem, and it's all about alliteration. I, I think there are probably like at least 20 words for guy or dude yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like there's gome yeah. there's Golem there's all sorts Tolk. of crazy stuff. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah,
4: and it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, uh whenever I'm reading those, I always have the sense um, of how much I must be missing, you know, how much nuance I must be missing yeah. because I mean, you know, we have a lot of synonyms for things like, but you know, there's usually some kind of connotational difference between one synonym and another um, difference. Yeah. Yeah. But,
3: uh, but
4: yeah, when I'm reading something like Sargan and the green Knight*, I'm very often like, okay, yeah, that word also means guy, right? Okay, good. So see, so, but, it clearly doesn't just mean guy. I mean, I suspect <laughs> that there were, you know, nuances of connotation between, you know, gom and tolk and, mm-hmm. uh, and all these other words, uh, which uh, which are really just kind of going over my head. It's uh, it's 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 very interesting.
3: But yeah, it's, no, it's, they did have a lot of right words by ha- by having just written culture. Uh, I mean, when you get those fairy tales and you write them down, um, if if you don't tell them in the way that you know, people were telling them prior I mean, in, in a sense, I think Grimm and those dudes, all the dudes who are doing that, they're actually extinguishing that. Right. I mean, it might be that they it would have been extinguished anyways with the coming of newspapers and you know, Penny Dreadfuls and all the all the written versions of these folktales, but or just replacements for folktales. But we lose by by having it as the dead text, we can only share it by, you know, somebody reading it to you who's read it before and having had someone read it to you from before. Um, we're yeah. sort of doomed to this losing the context uh, from ancient sources. Uh, Beowulf, right, was lost for uh, 500 years or something, right? Right, so yeah. The connection between then and now of people constantly telling this story.
4: Yeah, you know, there's this this sort of the way that it kind of grows in both directions, right? You know, when a story is a living story being, you know, handed down from mouth to mouth, and on the one hand, it will change over time, you know, it will, it will, you know, as the as the language changes, and as the people change, the story will also change and grow. So in one sense, you could say, well, you're losing the old story anyway, but in the same way, people are Coming into contact with with older things, you know, th- through that, you know, they're 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 not just, you know, forging ahead into new things. They're they're, you know, receiving, uh, uh, you know, culture that's being handed down to them as well. And we still get that to some extent in books. But you're right. There's a way in which that gets crystallized mm-hmm. um, by you know when when an oral text is written down. And you know, certainly, you know, I'd rather have that than to you know I. Rather have the Beowulf that we have than to have not had Beowulf at all. But right. um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it certainly is. Uh, it is kind of an impact. Uh, you know, I, thinking about this, I often think about this in the context of people talking about you know the online culture and the way in which uh, you know the internet is changing things um and so well yes yes it is changing things and and there are pluses and minuses to that but you got to remember um people like to compare it to the printing press and that's certainly true enough that did change things very radically but so did writing mm. you know uh, mm. and, and 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 goodness knows there were plenty of people who were saying this writing thing it'll never catch on or people <laughs> who were saying this writing thing is 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 awful you know there goes culture now you know it's completely yeah. gone and that's not just a stupid thing to say um you do lose something when you shift from an oral culture to a written culture. You gain much too, but 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 mm-hmm. you lose. It's it's a change, um, and there's always pluses and minuses with change. And so I think you know I, don't know I I often kind of reflect back on that because you know people sort of sometimes talk with the internet stuff as if this is a kind of thing that's never happened before. Mm-hmm. It's totally happened several times before, but um, uh, but but anyway, yeah, it is. Um, it is it is a fascinating change, but um, going back to um, going back through our discussion of oral traditions through Barrow Whites and back to Tom Bombadil, the encounter with <laughs> Tom on. Bombadil and the thank you, thank you very much. the <laughs> The encounter with the Barrow White is to me a perfect illustration of how Tom Bombadil doesn't fit in the world, like how difficult it is. To really fit him, and again, and I would like to emphasize, when I say he doesn't fit, I'm not suggesting at all that this is like a shortcoming on Tolkien's part. I'm not saying like
3: Tolkien really screwed up. Imagine an an editor saying, "What's what's this in here for? Let's cut it out and make the book a little shorter and a little more tight." I mean, today, if you Mm -hmm. tried to submit this book, if there was such a thing as a fiction editor anymore at any of these companies, that would be the thing they would point to.
4: Oh, you gotta think so. Mm. I can't imagine anybody accepting the Lord of the Rings. I mean, if if the Lord of the Rings had never been published and and Tolkien were just alive now and submitted that to a to a publisher, I mean, it's so hard to imagine because of course Tolkien has had such an impact on fantasy publishing that you know imagining the modern publishing world without yes. Tolkien is is very challenging. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> um, but you're right. Let's do it the other way around. Imagine a modern editor back in you know in in the 1940s. And you know, receives the Lord of the Rings. Oh my goodness! <laughs> they
3: would never
4: have published the Lord of the Rings as it stands. Um, I, I mean, th- yeah. I mean, they would have cut the poems. They'd have cut Tom Bombadil. Boy, there's so much deadwood in this story. You know, that could be tightened <laughs> up. Holy cow! Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's actually to me a a, a wonderful reminder of. Uh, <sighs> no, I just. I, I, I kind of struggle with the publishing world in a lot of ways. Oh, you
3: know? don't, yeah. don't just ignore it because it's uh, it completely. In- <laughs> um, uh, that's why Jesse doesn't. Oh read
0: yeah. Anything older than 1900 usually. That's not true. I read the Lord of the Rings. Newer than
3: 1900.
0: <laughs> um, I'm just. Kidding.
3: That's not true. I just. I'm very. I, I'm <laughs> exactly. Not subject to the market like everybody um, else. But no, it's it's. Uh, I, I wanna I wanna talk about uh, the. Fa- what happens when Tom Bombadil takes the ring from Frodo? Well, okay. Because uh, I, I think that that's you know exactly the center of this issue. He mm-hmm. does not respond in the way anyone else on the entire mm. Middle Earth <laughs> planet would have yep. to that ring, right? Yep. He takes it, he fiddles with it, right. throws it. You can sort of imagine him juggling with it and playing with it, right. Right? and then right. he puts it on his finger, and nothing happens. He takes it off gives it back to Frodo, and Frodo's like, hey, did he just switch my ring out? <laughs> right, right. Right. And mm-hmm. so he puts it on, and then Frodo tries to slink away. Um, uh, You know, sort of, he's going to do, do evil, which I, I love, I, I this is why I love the Lord of the Rings, is is that ring is, it's it's like nuclear weapons. You've got to get rid of it. You can't <laughs> right. have anyone using it. So he's off, you know, maybe to find out who Tom Bombadil is, and Tom Bombadil looks over at him, even though he's invisible, and says... Go sit down my lad and what does he do he takes his ring off and goes sits down. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, question
4: of oh, where where Frodo was going and what he was planning to do has always been really fascinating to me.
3: I totally it's totally the center of that scene with Yeah. It it it's Tolkien saying this guy does not fit. We know that mm. from the very first meeting. Mm-hmm. Well, at least uh, when they're talking with Goldberry after they got to the house, right after they've recovered from their Willow adventure, they they're like, "Who is this guy? How does he fit mm-hmm. into things?" And at the end, we've got the same sort of, uh, you know, when Gandalf's talking about him, it's like, "Yep, yeah, he's not really interested." Oh, the, he was interested
2: when you talked to the ants; he, he thought that was interesting. Right, right, but, right. Um, but you do it, have the impression that you know Tom Bombadil could have sorted all of this out. I mean, everyone says with Lord of the Rings, why did not you just fly right. the edle, eagles to Mordor? And my question is, why didn't Tom Bombadil sort it out? Because he could just walk up to Sauron and go, hey, good fellow, shut thy flaming eye. Rest <laughs> thy head. Here's ashes for your pillow. And that would be the end of it. Ashes for your
3: I love it.
4: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um <laughs> But you see, I mean,
3: even on. like. He he, did, but they it I, no, I think that's why he can't leave, right? That's why he's got that border, you know, the 24 hour. <laughs> I mean, I'm, <laughs> but, I'm trying to crystallize here. Even within, here, within his border. Like... Even within his border. Okay, like the Barrow Whites. Yeah. So there's the Barrow Whites right
4: there, okay? And he obviously doesn't like the Barrow Whites. And, and and the Barrow Whites are obviously, in some sense, antipathetic to him. Mm-hmm. He's a He is a good guy in general,
3: he's a merry guy.
4: He's a merry guy at the very least. And he breaks, as you were pointing out, he breaks the spell on the barrow so that the Barrow White will never return.
3: He only does it for that one.
4: Exactly, and has never done it before. I mean, apparently if he, like, bestirred himself and, you know, rolled up his sleeves and spent a busy afternoon at work, he could clear out the Barrow Downs entirely, right? I mean, seriously, yeah. how long did that take him? 15 minutes? You know, like, it's... But for how many thousands of years has he lived with the Barrows right there and the Barrow Whites being evil and doing evil things? The Barrow Whites have a sinister reputation um, in, in the Willow's
3: Shire? Old Man nemesis and yeah, he, he just solves some saying, Get back to eating your dirt.
4: Right, exactly. The, the, you know, he he speaks of old man Willow. Old man Willow is clearly corrupt. You know, he's uh, he's, uh you know, he's like a his, black horn, right?
3: Sore, right, mm-hmm. he's he's rotten in his core.
4: Yeah, but Tom Bombadil isn't bothered so again he's just he's completely outside he doesn't you know you can't f- he does not fit into the scheme you know he is, right. he is not like you know, it, it, going back to that conversation or that the reference that gandalf makes you know there is this there is this uh you know when when gandalf calls him a moss gatherer there's more to that <laughs> than just he doesn't go <laughs> go around you know it's like he just—he's part of the landscape, you know, and he's content with the landscape. So, so yeah, like you talk about him taking the ring, like he's not going to be a crusader, you know, he's not going to go on this quest, you know, he's not—he's—and uh, Gandalf says that. Gandalf says that at the council, you know, that yeah, that he would probably—he says no such things have no hold on his mind. He would probably just throw it away.
3: Yeah,
4: <laughs> and and it's. Again, he is just fundamentally different, <laughs> fundamentally outside. Um, you know everything else that's yeah. going on.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you were going to line up, you know, some people for the alliance like they do in in the end of the the Hobbit, right? You've got all these right. these heroes to f- to fight the 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 great dragon, etc., the goblins or whatever. Um, you'd totally want to have Tom Bombadil on your side, but. It'd be like trying to get the most hippy-dippy hippy to <laughs> just sign up for the <laughs> Vietnam War,
2: right? He's just not going to do it. Well, it's, yeah. more, it's more than that. It's like, it's like trying to recruit the weather itself or the change of the right. seasons against sure. it. That's, right. that's yeah, what that's Tom's going to root it in. It's, kind of, it's nature's way. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you know,
3: right. The, and, and the right.
2: doings of Men and Hobbits aren't his concern. Yeah, He's yeah. more interested in what the
3: badgers are doing and their mm. grubby, grubby <laughs> paws and... Earthy noses. Um, When he when he has these encounters, when Goldberry pulls him under the water, when Old Man Willow, um, you know, gets mad that he's getting his roots wet or whatever it's he's mad about. um, All of these encounters, you get the sense that he's he's just having fun because he could have totally not had any of those things happen to him. Right, just so
4: powerful. Right. Though I mean, certainly the uh, the his his stature, you know, the sort of Authority with which he operates in *The Lord of the Rings* is a is less apparent in the original poem. That is, he he doesn't seem to have that same kind of stature. Um, even his relationship with Old Man Willow, for instance,
1: mm-hmm.
4: you know, Old Man Willow. Um, it's hard to imagine Old Man Willow trying it on with Tom Bombadil in the same way that he does in the poem. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, he he. Uh, old man willow will get away with stuff you know he'll get away with molesting other people apparently mm-hmm. um but uh but it's really hard to imagine um old man willow trying to trap tom bombadil in the fellowship of the ring you know like that 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 yeah. just does not seem in the cards he yeah. again he doesn't succeed in the poem uh, in the end but he 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 yeah so he so certainly exactly exactly he's certainly willing to try also it seems i always read anyway the the interaction between old man willow and and tom bombadil as being a lot more jocular in the poem like they're mm-hmm. kind of buddies or you know like this is they're <laughs> yeah. kind of messing with each other you know yeah. um but um uh but anyway yeah he he, he certainly doesn't have the kind of Okay, I almost used the word gravitas to describe Tom Bombadil, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's nobody with less gravitas than <laughs> Tom true. Bombadil, but but wow. still he has he has stature. You know, there's a kind of like again, Old Man Willow isn't gonna like. Well, maybe today I'll see if I can if I can trap Tom Bombadil. Ha ha ha. Um, you just can't see him even formulating that thought in The Lord of the Rings. But um,
0: he, has, he has gravitas in the way that he describes Farmer Maggot as having gravitas in the sense that his feet are on the earth. His eyes are right. open. He's connect. Right. He's heavy. You know, he's right. he's of the earth.
4: Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, uh but no, it's it's. But again, he's not of. He's of the earth, but he's not really of that world. He plays no part in the story.
3: You know, in the and larger story. In know, the larger story. When he's on the way to Farmer Maggot, we get the. There's a bridge over the river, right? They yeah. shoot arrows at him. The hobbits shoot mm-hmm. arrows at him. And we yes. get, uh, he says like stop shooting at me or something. And then when he gets the maggot, we find out that there's a whole bunch of arrows in his hat. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> they only went into his hat. If they had hit his body, I don't think that just could. I don't think that's possible. Yeah. He's. he's yeah. yeah. He's just not. He's anti gravity. He is not <laughs> anything like anything.
1: Yes.
4: Yes. Yeah. But these are are the things why I keep, you know, I keep wanting to say that he's not in this. It's not only that he's not a native part of this world, you know, that he was born, you know, within the world of this poem and and of these kinds of um, often sort of. Uh, silly, sometimes silly, sometimes often lighthearted um, kind of fairy story poems that Tolkien was writing earlier on in his life. Uh, uh, again, like Princess Me, you were describing Princess Me is a really early poem. He wrote that one in the teens. That's like a 1917 oh. poem, I think, originally, um, before he revised it for the later collection. Um, and that was back when he was writing... You know, the kind of elfin stuff, um, not elvish, but elfin,
2: mm-hmm.
4: you know, the kind of because uh, mm-hmm. uh, he did write poems about tiny little diminutive buttercup fairies like the, You can see that element in his description of fairy things and elfin things back in his writings in the teens and 20s Um and uh, so again, it's, it's sort of, you know, Tom momido kind of comes out of that world and he never is naturalized. He just, you know, he doesn't fit into the story in any sense. He doesn't play other than, you know, sort of the encounter that Frodo and them have with him. And, you know, they certainly emerge from his world um, with... You know they're changed in some ways. You know they have learned some things and encountered some things um, that 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 impact them in various different ways. Um, both their encounter with Tom, their encounter with Goldberry, their encounter with the with the Willow Man, their encounter with the Barrow White, all leave their marks on them in various ways. But as far as the story it goes, like either w- whether you look at it as the plot of the Lord of the Rings book or you look at it as the history of Middle Earth, you know, proceeding from the First Age through the Fourth Age, Tom Bombadil has no part in that story and doesn't want to have any part in that story. Is kind of aggressively not neutral. Um, that word doesn't seem quite to describe what I'm talking about. Mm. He just um,
3: is separate from yeah, it. If, all. if you were trying to classify him using the Dungeons and Dragons alignment system, <laughs> true neutral doesn't doesn't capture it.
4: No, no, true neutral doesn't capture it.
3: Neutral um, good doesn't. You know, nothing captures it.
4: No, no, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, yeah, no, he would absolutely define the, uh, the old D&D. alignment is towards flowers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly.
4: <laughs> exactly. Um, but, I mean, I guess, I guess you'd have to call him true neutral. You couldn't call him anything else, but, uh, but it doesn't fit. You're right. Oh. I agree. That, that doesn't seem at all right. Because he's clearly, when it comes to it, he is obviously against the Barrow Whites and he's obviously against you know he he might say, like Treebeard, there are some things on whose side I am altogether not on mm-hmm. right um, but what he is is very non proactive right I mean again he let the Barrow Whites live in his domain, and he puts up with it
3: it's fine he well, he, he seems he seems like the way he talks to the Barrow white in the in the song and in in uh, in the poem and in in the in the story about how, you know, he's dealing with it. It seems not so much that he hates them as that he's sort of piteous of them in that they're pathetic. They're, you know, their greed, their greed overcame them. Their, their, uh, their, their curse was brought upon themselves. But I, I think also the whites were, the land was invaded by, bad spirits or something as well I yes can't remember. yes but it, it was like it's more as pathetic and it, it 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 seems like when he talks about old man willow it's it's not like oh evil old man Willow. He says you're you're corrupt and you're you're rotten but oh that's how you are <laughs> right <laughs> like, yeah it's not like you must be defeated so we can right. have utopia it's more right. like oh that's how you are you're terrible Yep. yeah
4: yeah exactly cool. he's not neutral in the sense of like well I don't really you know i'm not I'm bothered yeah i i i have no real preference between good and evil you know i i like them both equally he could he doesn't, but you're right he is um he is a he is he is as far opposite uh, what would be in this way the opposite of an activist a pacifist isn't quite right yeah. because that doesn't that doesn't describe it but like he's not
0: advocating peace yeah he's not out no. there
4: he is on the absolute opposite spectrum. as the one who, uh, but he's not just isolationist either. That is, he doesn't just hide from it. Oh. He interacts with old man Willow. Um, but yes, it's, it's like he simply accepts these things. But again, wh- these things make him fundamentally different from every, even tree gets roused, mm-hmm. you know, even tree plays a role. And yeah. in everyone else, um, you know, the, in everyone else, there comes a time when you have to choose, you know, uh, uh, it, it, you know, that you think about the um, um, the the words that, um, you know, people keep the, the kinds of things people keep saying in The Two Towers and in The Return of the King, you know, that like people who just want to live their lives as, as they've always lived them before. Well, they can't do that anymore, right? The time has come where like they have to choose what side they're mm-hmm. on. You know, Sauron is coming, and you were either going to stand against him or you were fighting for him. Um, but uh, you know, simple like we're just going our own way. That's not an option. Even Treebeard accepts that that's not an option. Um, and the Ents, who are the most you know the most patient and in you know and in their way neutral. Of all things, you know, he's the one who's not altogether on anybody's side, and yet he chooses sides, um, very clearly. Um, but not Tom Bombadil, and yet we don't condemn him for that. Every, for, for anyone else who simply stood aside and didn't do anything? I mean, it's hard to imagine within the the sort of economy of Tolkien's story that, uh, that anyone else who, tr- who remained as neutral and as inactive as Tom Bombadil... Would be criticized, right? Um, but I mean, if Tree Beer didn't do anything, if Tree Beer's response were simply to be like, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. trees get destroyed, you know, home, home, you know, go on your own way that would be awful. That's what I hated about movie tree beard uh, mm. because movie tree beard was an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah.
4: Uh, and I, 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 I think I object to the depiction of Beard. No, I don't think I am a 100% positive that I object to the movie <laughs> treatment of tree beard more than any other character in all of the films um, because they made him into a buffoon. Uh, and that really irritated me. Um,
3: um, here's a question. Uh, how come the hobbits never try the song after the time? I time? Next time they get into trouble, shouldn't they just say, Ho, Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombadil, by wire, by reed and willow, by fire, sun and moon, hearken now and hear us, come Tom Bombadil, <laughs> come Bombadil, or our near is near us. Why, doesn't he, why don't they just use that again to get into trouble? <laughs>
4: That would've been hilarious.
3: <laughs> yeah, be, um, it would totally
0: ruin the story.
4: <laughs> could you
0: imagine, you know, like
4: Sam on the slopes of Mount Doom, yep. being like, "Wait a yeah. 2nd <laughs> Tom Bombadil, and, and then imagining again on the, you know, then you suddenly hear, "Hey, you no, know, come on, you no, know, we're the <laughs> <under."> um, <laughs> that. That's yeah, been um, remarkable.
3: No, that won't work. <laughs> I think that he's like He he can't leave his region. It, or if could, he wouldn't. Thanks a lot, Corey.
1: Cool. No problem. Thanks
4: for having me. That was fun.
3: Yeah, that was awesome. We got deep into. Uh, the mystery of Tom Bombadil and didn't solve it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not
0: solvable.
3: He's a um, it's, it's like, like Keats' negative capability though. We're okay with that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would, I, I would want to make sure that uh, we, we tell your readers about where they can find the adventures of Tom Bombadil poems um, in the Tolkien reader, which is still available.
3: Uh, oh, is that still in print?
4: It is. It is, yeah. You can still get the Tolkien Reader in print. And it's the best place to find um to find these poems. Uh the, the Adventures of Tom Bombadil poems. So Do
3: they still include the illustrations from um the- I think so. I haven't seen the edition I have is an old
4: edition. Um I have this old paperback from like the seventies, I think. Um but um yeah, nineteen seventy eight is yeah. is a, is the paperback I have. But I have seen it. Um, still for sale in 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 modern editions um so i do believe that it is still accessible
2: and it's a great volume Uh, there's no uh, question there also entails for the perilous realm as well
4: yes right 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 okay yes that's right that's a that's that's a a a newer uh edition of things put together
3: my my book local bookstore has you know it has the Science fiction section, the horror section, the the fantasy section, the role playing section, and the Tolkien section. (laughs) Nice. You know, like there's uh, basically a giant shelf (laughs) full of Tolkien Tolkien books. And, you know, he didn't make that many. Uh, Although I'm surprised, you know, there's a lot of books that are not there. Like Mr. Bliss is not there and uh, Father Christmas Stories, right? uh, They changed the name of that. I think they changed The Father Christmas Letters, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's a great book. Yeah, he's he's, he's like, almost like Tom Bombadil, actually. Uh, <laughs> Santa yes. Claus. Although
4: he's he <laughs> really Yeah, and that's actually, you know, that again, that's just part of the spirit of of these things. You know, again, again like Tom Bombadil is quite at home among the other figures from Tolkien's writings in that era, mm-hmm. you know, in, in like the twenties and early thirties. Um you know the other characters from his poem like the man in the moon poems and the and the father christmas letters and mr bliss and rover random um you know there's 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 lots of uh, the spirit of tom bombadil is 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 much more kind of compatible with those stories than it is with the rest of the lord of the rings world really
3: Mm -hmm. this has been the sff audio podcast
0: please join us at www.sffaudio.com.
1: And the moon is dead In the black wind The stars shall die And still on gold Here let them lie Till the dark lord Lifts his hand Over dead sea And withered land